0: So uh, in these practices we've been attempting to cultivate practices to do with steadying smoothing out the energy fields one's body. That's mm-hmm. so less jumpy, less contracted. Mm-hmm. It's thinking, we're steadying it with chanting and silence mm-hmm. encouraging to consider things slowly mm-hmm. change the speed of thinking and mm-hmm. use thinking as something that places uh, an idea and gets a sense of it adding this uh, quality of vichara which is uh, vitakka is the dropping of a thought onto the pond of the mind yeah. and the vichara is lingering, listening to the ripples what's that about? what's the effect of that? how does that feel? Mm. And you start to notice that thought is, or is just like that it doesn't have to just immediately uh, jump to another thought or become so fast it doesn't seem to be broken just a steady train if you like you begin to see there are links between the carriages of the train yeah. and those links are places we don't actually have to fill up mm-hmm. and it's an important thing to know there was assume knowledge is an amount of, of uh, conceptual information but in Buddha Dharma knowledge is the understanding that conceptual in- information is like this. <laughs> it's just plop, plop, plop. You know, just items on a, on a train going on, onwards, 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 onwards. You know, like an incredibly long train going onwards and onwards and onwards, You're not are really arriving anywhere. And so we need to know that. Because then something about the passion of getting things figured out begins to this isn't going to happen. You know, we may come and retreat with all kinds of things we'd like to solve or understand or fix or cure or realise. It's not going to happen, is it? (laughs) But but what you can realise is that that thrust a thought is something that is inconclusive but you can open up the spaces between the thoughts and find something really quite beneficial in that where you start to feel more balanced and steady and it gives room for heart to arise yeah. not uh, any particular thrust of emotion but a sense of tenderness and sensitivity and openness and uh, it's rather beautiful the space between thoughts particularly if they get a lot of space between them and you're not trying to fill it up you develop a sensitivity to um, what's beyond thought in that there's a sense of settledness and contentment This, of course, is, uh, you know, so we're steadying energy, and then, but then also there's a sense of uh, steadying energy is one aspect. And the other thing is just this beginning to notice, get a view, get an insight into what experience is about, these textures of experience, data rumbling around an amazing net, amazing web of causality and like any other net when you're in the net it feels like this is a struggle you notice most nets are like 90% whole (laughs) they're just the strands, you keep getting stuck in the strands, yeah you find the holes that net is pretty open so we're looking for those spaces to take the pressure off very important to know what to look for. It's not more of the threads, the more of the gaps between them. You see, there, there, that's what release is about. And the very powerful forces that we recognize that keep us heading into the places where. The ropes and the threads are the connections and the, you know, things that, because they they make things solid and uh, they give, provide us with mental objects, uh, ideas, memories, uh, notions, projects, plans, Uh, some of them not very pleasant at all, memories and so on. But this is compulsion to, to find some. It's not even a personal decision, it's just the momentum is to keep heading for the solidities, not for the spaces, to keep heading for the solidities. And of course, in ordinary social life, this is, this is what we're doing, isn't it? We're juggling around these apparent solidities, but realizing that actually they're not very solid. You know, the job, the location, the relationship, the health, the buildings, you know, it's all very shaky, really. And trying to make it more steady is a huge amount of work, and still, its tendency is to break up. What is recognition is that there's this tremendous force to do that, to head for the solidities and not understand or be able to dwell in the space, the openness. This is called tanha. Thirst. Sometimes translated as desire, but that's not quite right. Uh, Craving. Sounds a bit kind of slavering and dribbling. Where <laughs> I mean, you don't really feel like you're, you know, not doing that. But there's something about the use of the word thirst, because thirst is not decision. It's not decision to be thirsty. It's this sense of something's needed here. Ah, uh, ah, uh, I need a hit of something. Uh, uh. <laughs> uh, to fill up. Fill up, need to hear something. You know. yeah. So, this is the quality that drives us. And so, this is the origin of suffering actually. This is what causes it because we head into seeking solidity, seeking uh, uh, gratification, seeking comfort in that which can't provide it. Because what Tanha directs us towards is these apparent. You know, phenomena like thoughts, sights, sounds, touches, tastes, memories, plans, strategies um, that are not solid. Uh, and you know, they, 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 they keep, have to do quite a lot of energy to keep them reasonably going. Yeah, I mean, they're still falling apart. As you can see, just in, you know, life as a human being just you know, getting the work, getting a job, trying to fulfill the quotas, then uh, dealing with the tax returns, dealing with the household duties, and then in the lower of fuse, electricity breaks down, get somebody on the phone to come and deal with that, and come and deal with that, they want some more money, make some money, give them some money, this breaks down, the car breaks down, fix that, go somewhere else, then somebody gets sick, so you've got to rush off and deal with that, that means you're late for that, and you've got to work into the night to get that one done, you know. And then you forgot where you put that thing that you you really need that pass that password you got to have. What was it? You left it in your wallet, which you put in, which where did you put it? Was it in that drawer? Was it in that bag? Was it in that jacket? That Jane Carter. And then. You get online and it says, you know, security. You have to fill in the password for this. Oh God! Just, just give me a break, will you? <laughs> and then it comes and says, this is to make your life easier and more convenient. <laughs> and getting, getting along. Oh, how do we make life so difficult for ourselves? we made it difficult ourselves to, by trying to make it more convenient <laughs> that was always all about, wasn't it? <laughs> so how's that? <laughs> why's that? because you know? yeah. it's actually the, the it's, a, it's a great idea to you know, make life more comfortable, more easy but we're, we're following the wrong trajectory It doesn't work that way, because what we're heading for is always going to be rickety, breaking down, changing, shifting, and you never know when the next mysterious thing is going to arise that you've got to give attention to, this is the conditioned world. Still we keep driving into it, because the ordinary span of attention doesn't see anything else. Uh, the ordinary uh, quality of attention doesn't see anything else to go towards well you have to make that effort to hold your attention steady and use this quality of uh, deep attention whereby you you're not so much just flickering over the, the superficial appearance of phenomena you're noticing things like well what's this doing to me stirring me up exciting me, disappointing me so that as it does that I, I put a lot of emotional stuff into it, that makes it more intense you know so that um, sound or that touch which I didn't like then my mind gets produces a whole lot of emotional stuff that adds to that this is crazy you know, that was already unpleasant enough, but why do I have to make it even more unpleasant by thinking about it and getting annoyed about it? You know, some things... Because this is what craving does. I want something solid and comfortable. If I don't get it, I'm going to get upset. So we had two kinds of... We had the... the the stress or the displeasure of something that wasn't agreeable, and then we create another load of stress by getting angry, upset, and disappointed about it. So we make two lots of stress out of what was already <laughs> already you know not so good in any way. So it's starting to this is this, is, this isn't right, you know. So really important to to realize there's a possibility of not adding this second kind of stress okay? which is bound up with the idea that you know the conditioned life will be agreeable comprehensible predictable manageable controllable smoothed out and have you been alive for about I don't know how long it takes before the penny drops maybe 20, 30 years it's, like, it's funny, it hasn't got that way yet and after 50 years you think, it's still not that way and I've tried really hard uh, do you get it? it's nothing wrong with you particularly <laughs> it's just that that is it it's like that uh, this is called the, the truth of, of the Dukkha of the conditioned realm, conditioned phenomena. It means it is always bound up with, uh, you know, that which arises and passes, dependent upon qualities that we have no say over, such as you know, financial situations, or temperature, or weather, or health, or other people, or random things dropping in or random things falling apart, which we can't actually, you know, it's dependent upon phenomena that we have no real say over. And so how are you how are we gonna make it work? So, you know, the Buddha when he in his teaching, because he realized this is exactly what people are trying to work out on any level, they're always trying to get to the end of the stress and the dissatisfaction and arrive at the comfort and the convenience and the happy place whatever their character or disposition or angle is or even religious belief is, they're actually aiming for that trying to find that place you start to notice that it does not get fulfilled here in this so is it then that life is miserable? And sometimes people imagine that's what the Buddha taught. he said, there is dukkha, you know, there is suffering. But he, he didn't say everything is suffering, he just said there is this quality. Now if you attend to it carefully, you'll begin to see there's a, there's a certain aspect that you could do something about. And it's to do with the mind. <laughs> And he very neatly summed it up as, uh, you yeah, getting what you dislike. There's a fly on your nose or not enough salt in your porridge or something. Getting what you dislike, that sets it going. <laughs> not getting what you do like, hey, there's no this, that or the other. That sets it up and, yeah and not being able to tame one's wishes so one's an aim that one can't reach. You know, I came on a retreat and then I got sick. Dang it. You know? came and really wanted to do a nice meditation retreat this fly kept jumping on down the end of my nose. <laughs> I can get in line with flies jumping up down the end of your nose. <laughs> it's ruined my day. You know? And... Uh, <laughs> So but then say, so, yeah, but you notice there's something that's not about the fly on your nose or the um you know, the the weather or whatever. It's your liking it and disliking it and wanting it that's the problem. <laughs> there's an element in there that is definitely, you know, one could do something about because you can't control these causal factors but you, there's one particular causal factor you can control it takes some work because it's one of the most powerful forces going which is the force of, of craving and, uh, and when that touches then we get uncomfortable feeling uncomfortable feeling arises mental feeling not physical feeling. That can arise, but most of our life the real things that sting us are not so much physical, they can hurt, but just notice most of the unpleasant feeling is around what our, our minds detect. Yeah, We may think it's a, a miserable day, it's the rain's there or something. No, it's just that my mind doesn't want that. It's actually not it's just that you know know, we may have low energy but low energy is, is maybe not pleasant but it's trying to have high energy trying not to not to I don't want this feeling I can't do what I want I'm not able to cope I'm not able to manage And so, in our in meditation practice, the aim is that you're always looking for accommodate with conditions as they are. You know, low energy, okay. Low energy is like this. Could it be, you know, not feeling disappointed or depressed by it? Too hot or too cold is like this. Could there be not struggling with it? Fly jumping on my nose is like this. Mm. Is it that bad? It's it's fairly bad actually. <laughs> 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 extremely sensitive skin, you know, that tingle, tingle, tingle. I could make a practice out of just keep opening. Uh. So I do this with flies because they certainly they're not. You're not the only one who gets them. And just kind of keep imagining my mind is my skin is like a trampoline and enjoy and inviting the flies to come and enjoy themselves <laughs> please bounce around I'm imagining they're kissing me <laughs> it's so affectionate well that changed it it took a little bit of work but it changed it because instead of, you know, the wish that I'd be left alone, that's the problem. i not be left alone, not bothered, so I could get on with my meditation. And say, well, meditation is about not being bothered by this. <laughs> How do I do that? So you bend your mind around to it. <laughs> and this is kind of, this is the, the real gymnastics of mind training. Because although there are meditation techniques which we can have a go at, and they can give really rather rather pleasant results, you probably all know for sure that outside of this, or to want to even do it at all, because they take quite a lot of skill and perseverance. But outside of a pretty, you know, cool, quiet, steady, you know, measured controlled retreat situation it's not going to happen <laughs> you know you might get your half an hour your hour here and there and so forth but you're not going to have like days and days and days and days when it's really just just really nice it's going to be flies all the way for various kinds you know things coming in and things breaking down and, you know but you see, actually, but then what you're beginning to use the meditation experience for is to be a review. you know, even when the mind is relatively steady, you can feel that cr- wanting more, yeah. or how annoyed one can get around being disturbed. Wow, it's not that bad, really? Yeah. Hmm. So because one's want that I, don't want that. I want to get the good thing I want to get the good thing <laughs> and this person's talking they shouldn't do it. it's not right yeah. Yeah. yeah true it's not right mm. there's a higher truth there that we individually how do we deal with things not being right since there's quite a lot of things that are not right. <laughs> Some of them are much worse than that. <laughs> yeah. And you look in your own behavior, you think, well, yeah, that wasn't so good, was it? I dropped that, I forgot that. I said that stupid thing yesterday. That wasn't so good either, was it? Mm. So the feeling arises around, not just physical contact, but around a particular meaning, a felt meaning, which is, this is not what i like or want or right or proper or expect or hope for or wish for or should be. Where, where's, where's that? This is a, a mental construction, isn't it? how to accommodate unpleasant, disagreeable, unwanted phenomena that touch the mind and you realise you don't have to like it you don't have to think it's right and okay it's not right and it's not okay and you don't like it but there has to be room in your mind to feel that not right, not okay, it shouldn't be this way and Mm-hmm. space, open to allow that residue of dissonance to move now that resonance, so we're going back again to the image of dropping the pebble on the pond, the shimmer if you do this, you practice this deliberately with a thought plop, linger don't that's a big because it's mean, a good thought, a bad thought, a bright thought, a brilliant thought, it could be the most simple thought in the world. But you're not this time, you're not really focusing on the information quality or how interesting it is, just as a mental phenomenon that you can pick up and bop and notice as you linger the thought. And of course you want to add something to it. Mm-hmm. But even if you're adding something to it, there comes a point which you're able to just quiet and listen and the thoughts really resolve into a listening space, an open space. If you thoroughly investigate mental phenomena, actually they all do that. There is, a, uh, you know, there is a certain condition, which is, means that the less you add to it, the quicker that, that experience happens. The less you add to it, the less you jump on board and add to it, get fascinated by it, feel embarrassed by it, uh, annoyed by it, disappointed by it. The less you add more to it, the quicker it goes into that just that resonant fading experience. Yeah. Oh well. Wow. There's this again, there's this open silence, state, space. And the realisation that that thought is the easiest one actually if it's a fairly neutral thought that's why we start with just very simple thoughts like buddhō which you've got no passion about <laughs> it's a very impersonal anonymous thought buddhō 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 what am I saying that for? No. buddhō what's supposed to happen? no, just do it again Budho. How long do I have to do this? Just do it. I don't see the point of doing this. <laughs> good, good. getting there. I mean, I'm, I didn't come here just to say this stupid word over and over again. Okay, do it again. oh Oh, that. That bit. That. As I pick up the pebble of Budho again, that sound of me wondering what I'm doing this for what was that? Mm -hmm. it's kind of a movement of the mind you pick the pebble up again drop it in the pond again Mm -hmm. notice the point isn't to just be dropping the word buddho into your mind but it's to be listening to these after effects till eventually your mind stops talking about it <laughs> yeah. there's nothing wrong with that it's not good, it's not bad it's just that I yeah. remember one time I stayed for a, I think it was about a week at um, a Chan Chinese Buddhist monastery in California a city of 10,000 Buddhas and they were doing um um it was a kind of, i think it was a master Wild's funeral or or an ordination and they chant this simple um mantra namo amitabha buddha yeah so so they'd start about 3:30 in the morning and you start yeah. namo amitabha buddha namo amitabha, namo amitabha, namo amitabha. So you do that for five minutes, Yeah, I've got it. And it goes on. It's been half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, uh, <laughs> is there a conclusion? To this? <laughs> and you're walking around, there's this thing going here, this is crazy, this is a bunch of lunatics. <laughs> Just there's fifty of us just is all this emotional stuff starts welling up. Like, this is ridiculous. It must be it's some kind of time warp or something, it's going crazy. Essentially the sound is all right, the word is all right, it's not bothering anybody, it's, it's just the sound. And if the the mind just does all this stuff. And eventually the mind just begins to run out of things to say about it. <laughs> at the end of the day you just say, No, no, no. I could spend a life doing this, it's not <laughs> it's all right. Because <laughs> something in me stop fighting it and wanting something out of it, expecting it to be good or bad or meaning something. It's just like and what does it mean? It means the sound arises, is heard and passes and there's silence. Is that it? <laughs> yup, that's it. <laughs> but you do recognise, you know, in that silence, you're there, you're awake, you're witnessing, have nothing wrong with you, there's no pain in it, it's alright. It doesn't go anywhere, it doesn't mean anything, it doesn't. but it's okay. And it's free, and like it doesn't bother you, and it doesn't jump on your nose, and it doesn't cost anything. And yeah, I suppose it's yeah. Get you can get used to it, I guess. And So you start to shift to hearing your this the, the your own thoughts doing the same thing. Then from that place, that that quiet place, you can listen to these thoughts i wonder who this is who's saying all this i've heard this voice for years and he's never happy <laughs> and he's always got something to say <laughs> about something or the other he's always writing a commentary on life why don't you shut up and live it <laughs> because he's saying it shouldn't be this way and I don't see why I should have to do that this time so you think he is telling me what to do I don't, I that, don't I see the point of that and really people do that Do that's terrible but I heard then and she thinks she's so good wearing that <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs>
0: like, do we need to do this? <laughs> well, because who's doing it? You know, all those because anything that is kind of familiar quality occurring, we assume that's myself but if it was myself, I think I'd do something about it <laughs> 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 because it can never it, It's if it's a myself then it would just be in itself, wouldn't it? But That voice can never... It can never exist without having something else to talk about, right? So it only exists in a conditional relationship of commenting or liking or disliking something else. It can't stand alone, right? This self thing doesn't stand alone. It always stands by connecting to something else, often in a dissonant relationship. Like, why don't you be like that? I feel like this. You don't feel like that. So, which is right, you know? This self is not an independent entity. It's actually one end of a dissonant relationship. <laughs> right. So, so even if it's relating to something pleasant... Oh, I like some more of that, it's really nice, yeah. Well, I want not get more of that. Wish we had like, I wish it was like that in Britain, didn't Yeah, oh, well, that's a nice house. I'm really enjoying it. Oh, I can build my own life. Tell my people, I tend to tell somebody else to write a book about it, it's great. I think, just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> because it only exists as a dissonant relationship with experience. So, when we're not really trying to get rid of self, we're just could there be no dissonance? Could there be just total opening like water around phenomena, just letting phenomena rise and move through without having to like, dislike, sign off, approve of, check, comment sub comment, add it, store it, acquire it, push it away, blame somebody else for it blame yourself for it. Could that commentary be seen as? It's never it's never solved anything anyway, has it? You know, as much as I said he should be another way, he's not. As much as I've said I should be another way, I'm not. Does this thing still have to keep going? Could it not be that one there could be just an opening to experience and silence and openness and sensing it? Mm. And finding within that something a little more, if we really linger in that, something a little more. A okay? kind of sensitivity, and in that sensitivity, you know, not just the pull of agreeing or disagreeing, but a sense of uh, opening to, allowing, steadying, a real appropriate response, which is not based upon tanha, craving, but based upon what does this experience, what does it need? Not what do I want, but what what is needed here in this, in the sense of the angry rush of emotion. Not, I don't want to have this, or it's his fault, why should she do that after all I've done? No, this, this angry emotion, what does it need? It needs pause, open, listen, open, sense it in the body, encourage it, allow it to. You know, there's a sympathetic relationship with experience rather than discordant relationship with experience. And this is a real turning point. Yeah. instead of the discordant relationship which struggles with or tries to push or manipulate or change or block or get over things which generates a sense of the discordant self we have a sympathetic relationship which is from the heart What what is needed here We're not thinking about it, we're just trusting heart to adjust and receive and resonate. So it's an accommodating, a sympathetic quality that allows phenomena to arise and pass. This is really the duty, you could say, of the heart. To allow phenomena to rise and pass, go on their way, not be stored up, but just go on their way. And uh, you know, this very simple knowledge, arising and passing, you was know, is, is, is the uh, considered to because, you know is, is considered very highly. Buddha Dharma Buddhist practices is. The sign of someone who's really firmly established their their dhamma practice, a lot right, the arising and passing phenomena. Sounds easy enough. But certainly quite a few quite some phenomena one does not want them to arise at all. <laughs> yeah. Nasty thoughts, jealous impulses. Uh rage and fear. Uh, I don't want those to arise. You know. If they do arise I want come on, hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> or find something to can it or solve it, or blame it on somebody else, blame it on myself for being such an irritable person, such a neurotic wreck, or blame it on my parents who messed me up, or blame it on my partner who let me down, or blame it on the world in general, you know or blame myself as such an idiot to be duped by this person or a basket case anyway you know, <laughs> because I'm so messed up so this kind of reaction because I don't want that to arise so I find some way I can kind of transfer it to a, a notional self it's my fault or my bad karma or something or to a notional other self it's her fault you know, or general God's fault? Why not? <laughs> 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 or society, or something other? Like uh, yeah, well, yes, you could say that, but does that end the suffering? No, it doesn't, does it? it doesn't end it. it. Doesn't really end it, does it? Because it still stays in the heart because all we've done is shift it from one experience in the heart to another experience in the heart we've shifted it from this feeling of being hurt to this idea of me or this idea of them or this memory of her or this expectation that she didn't live up to i've just shifted it around in my heart from a memory to an anticipation to an expectation to a feeling it's just moved around the same piece of territory it hasn't released it, gone anywhere really, <laughs> and they're all true enough in one way. And yet, you want to end suffering or not? So, it's okay. This means you have to arise, and instead of me doing my normal, you know, shuffling act moving it around from person to person to past to future to you know, this, that and the other open, open around it oh no feel, you know, really you know, challenged by this okay, so just breathe through it feel your body, steady in your body Breathe through it. Just take your time, slow down, find some stable ground, feel the energy stabilize, move, mm-hmm. arise. And if you can find enough stability, which is mostly what our practice, as direct practice, is about, it's just finding those refuge places of stability, steadiness, the ability to move into the body. You know, to you know, widen awareness. Yeah. You know, and these are all samatha or calming, steadying uh processes that this is what we do to prepare the ground so that then when things arise we've got we can open and not feel blown away and shattered. Which you, which is what happens if you can't do that. This is why things are not relieved or released. Because it was just too difficult. So whenever they arose we just shut down or contracted or stirred up or started thinking about something or the other. Yeah. So this the necessity to find that refuge places and those refuge practices enable us to to finally find a way we could open around dissonant experience of which there's you know good inheritance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then if there can be the opening rising, it, it can move through. And it, it's just profoundly transformative. Mm-hmm. It's because the st- whole structure of our psychology, if you like, our heart, our mind, goes through a radical change. You see the normal structuring that we are uh, accustomed to or inducted into. If something comes along, just get hold of it, uh, twiddle with it a bit Do we came down with it, and then throw it away, get another one, you know, that kind of thing. Jump from this point to that point, and then do something else. It's always holding on in some way or another to a phenomenon, either to feed off it, or to name it, or label it, or do something useful with it, or dump it <laughs> you know, essentially the movement of the heart is to close onto, onto phenomena that movement to close onto phenomena when we get good at it yeah. quick, sharp, you know boom, very quick, so much so it becomes a reflex and people who do, you know, you do calculations. You can just run this thing through your head, and your mind, your mind jumps onto those numbers and figures. You know, very, very impressive. Uh, so this is this, certainly this particular, um, you know, it's a skill, and yet, and yet, uh, it becomes a problem, because we never know how to let go of anything. We like the idea. Because the mind hasn't got used to that sense of just open up, up. You don't have to like it, you don't have to understand it. All you have to do is just open around it and let it move along. And that's actually, you know, the opening around things is not a sense of wanting to get rid of it, you know, but opening in a sympathetic way. like. How much space does this need how much space does this need to travel you uh, know so powerful passionate you know poignant deeply you know personalized when they've they've been around that track a lot of a lot of times they need quite a lot of space to 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 move out because yeah, it's not even the intensity of the painfulness it's the, the intensity, the identification with it, that counts. The number of times that you've gone back to that and picked away at it, the number of times that you've held onto that and got annoyed by it, the number of times you've visited that as this is me, this is myself, this is what happened to me, this is who I am, this is what I should be, the number of times you've done that, is the number of times the mind is closed around it, and so as soon as that phenomenon arises again, why does, does that again? So it's not so much, you know, the quality of the feeling as the identification. And it's useful to know this, because some things are really very unpleasant, you know, extremely unpleasant, and we think it's the, the, the unpleasantness that's the problem. Certainly, the unpleasantness is a problem but even more of a problem is the most profound problem is the identification with it and the thing is the unpleasantness isn't something we necessarily can do that much about but the identification with it is something we could do a lot about <laughs> yeah and what is that identification you could say it's 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 put it round the other way, the very closure and the habit to close that's what we call identification it's the habitual closure and holding on to particular particularly thoughts and emotions that generates a self so it's not that this closure is called clinging or upadana And, you know, if you just take the word, you can think, yeah, I could cling to pleasant things, that's pretty natural. I could cling to tasty things, fruity things, juicy things, sweet things. I want to cling to something nasty. No, I can never cling to that. hate it. No, you didn't really understand what the word meant. It doesn't mean you like it. It means you close on it. (laughs) You know, your mind contracts around it. As It does that. And some of that contraction is just... I really dislike this and that contracts around it and the contracting around it comes from tanha the thirst for to, to something else to be there the thirst to be comfortable the thirst to be happy the thirst to be solid the thirst to be secure and this thing's getting in my way so you closure or th- this thing's going to provide it so closure so the strange thing about this quality of tanha, it can be karma tanha, which is to do with just sense object that we close around. And, you know, this this is not as difficult as it seems. You know, to 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 cool out. The most powerful forms of tanha associated with being something, wanting to be something, and wanting to not be something. I don't want to be. You know i don't want this to happen to me you know, i don't want to be the one who experiences this so it's a closure i don't want to be the person that people shouted at closure i don't want to be the person who has all these miserable thoughts closure i don't want to be you know my memories closure uh, i don't want to be these terrible habits closure i'd like to be these habits closure lock and this and it's this closing that generates the discordant self. So it's not that I grasp or cling; it's clinging generates a self. Yeah. And we, if you really study these things quite openly, you realise, yeah, there's a there's a happy self, and there's a quite uh, excited self. And I'm quite different when I'm in a good mood. That's a different me. I'm sort of quite bright and reasonable and mellow. And when I'm really peeved, I'm quite nasty. <laughs> and then I get wounded and get pathetic and miserable. And I'm quite different. I'm no longer the confident, on top of the world person, but A little pathetic, whimpering self. You know? And then I'm an angry, belligerent self. Then you know? I'm a righteous, judgmental self. You don't have one self. You have many of them. And all of them, if you you listen to their voices, they're kind of different. They use the same vocabulary, but the tonalities are different. The strident self, the aggressive, hard self, you know, the, um, you know, whatever. Notice that they're different because they're all generated by clinging to particular phenomena. And the nature of the phenomena generates that particular tone of self. Right? The tonality of it—the the, you know—the whimpering one, the overwhelmed one, the confident one—they're all generated through this clinging, and the tonality that arises crystallizes a voice, a mood, a shift of mood, a voice. Hello, it seems like me.
1: Hmm.
0: Because that's, that's those, are, those are phenomena that we can recognize aren't we? Silence we don't you can't really recognize it because it's got no characteristic. but these ones I can, so it must be me because I am something, aren't I? aren't I? So I must be that. but that's funny because yesterday I was that. But then when he said that to me, I was definitely that. I wish I'd have been that (laughs) which I was two years ago how many selves have you got? (laughs) and of course this is the big the big you know the big con because none of them (laughs) they're all these ghosts that move through so now and we could say, well, I'd like to have none of those, please that means we cling again it's clinging again trying to resist these but, you know, the, the, the spacious way is you, you these cells, these phenomena, you open around them the heart opens around them, this is a radical transformation because when you begin to experience that, actually, this quality, ability to open, maybe this is myself, you know, or some innate quality that's actually rather beautiful and worthwhile. This, 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 this faculty of, of opening heart. So instead of self, we say there is chitta. Definitely, it's heart and awareness, and it does this. And as it does so, it, it it tunes in to that, you know, the angry self, the reckless self, the whimpering self, and it adjusts it adjusts its space to allow that to be heard and felt and pass. Mm-hmm. this is transformative because uh, you don't take yourself you, per, you don't take your life personally as they say you don't take yourself personally <laughs> <laughs> which is a great weight off the mind <laughs> uh, and you know there's that possibility now you might think this means I can be angry annoyed frustrated you know and it's not going to change that but it does, it does, because once you've begun to experience that sense of opening space, then actually things don't bother you so much. So the angry self doesn't arise, or rises left often, because you've begun to sense the beauty of this opening, sympathetic space. You don't get the frustration it used to have, so the frustrated self doesn't arise. Because you experience the beauty of this opening space, you don't get the demanding self who wants this and that and the other. So he doesn't arise either. You know, get a bit lonely, like, could somebody say something? <laughs> 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 so, so then she starts to listen to other people. <laughs> there it is again. There it is again, you know? <laughs> Opening. So that, that's practice, isn't it? You feel the beauty of that. And say, so, you know, then say, so, Because you're really hearing the sound of the world. The sound of the clinging. And that sense of, eventually, is it me? Is it him? Is it her? Why do I have to say that? I just hear that sound again. The heart hears that sound again. Giving the space for that to pass, to move through, in whatever curious way it does. And sometimes, you know, as it starts to move, it changes into something else, and changes into something else. It goes from being really fed up and annoyed, to feeling just really sad and tired, then are rather lonely and then, you know, and then it just wanes. Regret. The emotional colours can change. You follow the emotional track of these forms and right. you hear know, this is everybody really. This is everybody's. This is not mine. This is everybody's that do, do, do this. And so then that great no harm (laughs) compassion opens So, the nature of this experience we call myself is to say it's always, it's never independent. It's always bonded in a slightly discordant or not quite fitting way with sights, sounds, thoughts, impressions. It's always wanting a little more or less, or to hold it, or to make it go faster, or make a little more of it, or make less of it. It's not quite, doesn't quite fit. In fact, not fitting. Is another way of describing dukkha, it just means it doesn't quite fit. It's not miserable. It just doesn't quite click, you know, adjust. You know. And then this is always bonded to experience. We might very well think, well, you know, if I could get get rid of all these experiences, then I'd be okay. But that's not quite. <laughs> how it happens what is it that can get rid of experience what can get rid of seeing, thinking, touching, tasting you know, remembering, what's going to get rid of that, who's going to get rid of that what kind of energy do you put into your mind if you have that attitude a nihilistic, closing energy is that good? is that sweet? is that beautiful? And if you don't do that, what are you going to do? Well, you can be with experience without having to be in it. And so you sense that relational sense, just opening to experience. Noticing when it touches, noticing the self-forms that arise, the tendency to grasp and cling. Um, okay, that's what that's what conditioned reflexes do. They've learnt to do that, that's what they do. This is not a particular personal failing that only I have this is a reflex Just wherever I can pause around that open around that and always you returning to the fundamental feeling of it hmm? things are released through feeling as it's said all dummers, all phenomena however curious esoteric, mundane Yeah. They all converge on one point. Feeling. That makes it really simple. Because however complex the mental story is, however complex and remote the mental story is, whether it's just the nature of Plato's ruminations on, on Socrates, you know, what does it feel like? <laughs> <laughs> What's the feeling? You know, pleasant? unpleasant or neutral Let's focus on that and then, and of course transferring it to the nature of the self what, what are the, the trains of thought break it down, Is this, do you like it or dislike it would you like it to go away or would you like more of it it's a very simple question because you may think, yeah it's ok I can bear, it's fine no, 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 we, of course we can all bear with it but if you had a choice would you like it to sort of go away Or would you like to have more of it? Would you like to stay there? Or would you be rather relieved when it went? Let's ask yourself that question. Yeah, really be okay if it went. That means it's unpleasant, disagreeable. So you just start to trace that. Can you open around that disagreeable quality? This is the piece. That underlies it all, that you can let pass. Very simple. Of course, as personalities, he said, we generally can put up with quite a lot of unpleasant things. Of course, we can. You know, I, I don't have to get my own way to, that's okay, fine. Flies dance on my nose, it's okay. I'm a man, I can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> True, But did you like it? No, that's all you need to know. You don't have to know whether you can bear with it or manage it, or whether you're you know wimpy or not, <laughs> you're too feeble. You don't have to make a personal statement about it. just just sense is it agreeable feeling or not? No, it's not agreeable. now, of course, you can do it and stay with it, but it's not agreeable. So could that quality just be opened around? Disagreeable feelings like this. Then there's room. And this is so important to have room in your mind for disagreeable feeling.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: And room in your mind for agreeable feeling without having to want more of it. Space in your mind. And you see that then what occur, what will replace that uh, reaction is a sympathetic response that allows phenomena to move through. The result is a sense of deep, warm contentment yeah. and ease. And this is why the Buddha taught it. and the ceasing of the craving for things to be this way or that way, for myself to be this way or that way, for you to be this way or that way, for the future, be- the ceasing of that craving, dispassion, stilling of the mental formations, the mental constructions, relinquishment, cessation, nibbana. That's the sequence that he talks about. Yeah. And this is certainly possible because we're often possible. In fact, you could say it's almost the only thing you could succeed at. <laughs> it's the only thing you could succeed at. The rest of it's just, nah, not bad, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's our gift as human beings. We have that possibility. So we're just getting this change of view and then doing the practices that enable that suppleness when stuff hits. To, you want to jump you want to jump on it. You want to beat it up. You want to kick it around. You want to you just 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 hang on. Back off. Open <laughs> around that, <laughs> yeah. And after it's trailed through, the feeling has passed. The tra- the passion has passed. Then you can make a a measured decision from a wise place, yeah. Rather than just decide I like this. I don't like that. Just wait for that. Mm-hmm. Finish with that, and, mm-hmm. you know, make a decision from a place of coolness and ease, so this very much helps us to also really find our conditioned path, what particular qualities and lifestyle and ways will actually arise, not from just an opinion or a view or a passion, but just from what fits, you know, what allows me to maintain openness. And purpose in life. So now it's time to you to uh, do as you see fit.